Welcome to Aeon's HR Talks podcast series, where we'll be covering a range of hot topics in company benefits, rewards and well-being. In each episode, we'll be talking to experts in the field to hear their thoughts on key trends and themes and to share actionable insights. I'm your host, Olga Paskins from Aeon, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. In today's episode, we will be talking about the importance of men's health and practical steps for how this can be improved in the workplace. Joining us today is Sean Davis from Royal Mail Group. Welcome to the podcast. Please, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thank you very much for having me. So I am the Global Director of Compliance and Sustainability for the Royal Mail Group. Uh, And in my remit, that includes safety, health, well-being, as well as security and uh, regulatory compliance. And uh, my particular passion uh, is in the health and well-being space. I am a, a health and well-being, health and safety professional by background and my doctorate my professional doctorate is in coaching well-being and organizational culture and I've written a couple of books on mental health with a particular focus on uh, positive mental health which I think we'll talk about later on. Fantastic welcome. Thank you. To set the scene can you maybe tell us a little bit about what you see as the key issues uh, when it comes to men's health? I think that that's a great question. I think there's a a number of factors when you talk about men's health generally and then men's mental health. And I think um, I'd start by saying we've got much better, I think, in talking about men's health generally. But I do still think uh, we've some way to go to catch up with women's health. And so I've got quite a broad circle of female friends. I've got a a sister, I've got uh, two sister-in-laws and uh, other friends and nieces, if you like, as well in my family circle. And they talk much more openly about health issues, be that general female health, breast cancer checks and smears and uh, general health checks. Whereas if I contrast that with some of my male friends, they would not talk as openly about uh, testicular checks, things like prostate cancer checks. And I certainly wouldn't, I couldn't give you an example of where I've been able to talk to male family members and and, and male friends as relaxed about um, health issues as I've been able to talk to women about it. It tends to come over a longer burn period. So it would be something that you might find that people sound you out and men sound you out and talk around the edges for a little bit, whereas women would talk about it much more openly. Again, I know that's a generalisation. I know that's not always the case, but I would say they are some of the key distinctions for me. The other piece I think I would like to shout out and call out, if you like, is the role that men play in females' health and the role that female play in uh, men's health and the role that partners play. So even in same-sex relationships, thinking about how you can look out for your partner and, and, and look out for any changes that you might see uh, in, in them, for example. So lumps in the breast or changes in the testicles or moles changing or other lumps and bumps shall we say that might appear and I think it's not exclusively men's health is not exclusively for men and women's health is not exclusively for women in my view and it's a a a joint and collective area that we can work together on. Now that's really interesting thanks for sharing. Do you think then that this is a topic we focus on enough in the workplace? 
Again, I think it depends on what that workplace is. So my background is male-dominated industry. So I worked in construction, uh, I worked in rail and underground, I worked in the waste sector, and then I moved to Royal Mail, and Royal Mail is predominantly male. So 88% of our employees are male. And I think we've done a lot of work to raise a profile around men's health and men's mental health. But I do still think there is a certain element elements of, of stigma and taboo associated with that and not just not just um, in the mental health space men's mental health but generally and I think there's employees can employers sorry can do more to normalize those conversations and create an environment where people will talk more openly about um, health related issues and the role of the employee assistance program in in organizations often plays a, a key role in that regard so as you said, you're responsible for health and well-being, amongst many other things, at Royal Mail. Yeah. And you've talked a little bit about the, you know, the makeup of the employee base at Royal Mail. So maybe as kind of a follow-up, you could share with us some of the initiatives that you have taken to improve men's health and well-being. Yeah, again, that's a great question. When I think back to when I first started, one of the things I looked at, so I joined them in 2012, and one of the things I looked at um, was access to health um, support through our occupational health provider and things like our employee assistance program. Utilisation was really low and awareness of the EAP and the campaigns that we ran was, was quite low. And I went out and about and did a, did a kind of fact-finding went on a fact-finding mission to find out why that was the case and the first thing that became really obvious to me was the name of our EAP so we called it help uh, and the picture that went with it the posters that went with it was a picture of a, a bubble man a kind of character if you like a, a bubble-shaped man hanging off a cliff and it was called help and then we wondered why our utilisation was was low because the the campaign and the branding of that just was completely disconnected. So I've already said to you that we're predominantly male organisation. In lots of ways, men are not open to talking about what could be perceived as weaknesses. So they wouldn't come for help in inverted commas and they couldn't associate themselves with this bubble character hanging off a cliff. So it was all, it, it was it was lose, lose, lose from my point of view. So I set about firstly creating a, a campaign that would resonate with people. And we created a campaign called Feeling first class and that's our overarching health and well-being program and obviously the link bit with first class mail first class post and a stamp obviously there's a, a kind of play on words there with feeling first class there's also an aspect of the feeling first class aspect of feeling in tip-top performance uh, both uh, physically and mentally but creating a, a brand and a campaign that we could get behind so that's an umbrella term feeling first class and below that then we have other strands of intervention so we have a first class lifestyle that will give you advice on things like exercise diet smoking cessation etc we have um, our first class driving program because we've got a large fleet so thinking about being fit to drive and thrive then first class fitness which is our gyms membership and then because healthy minds matter which is our dedicated and focused mental health program and we deliberately have that as a kind of a own brand and identity within the brand uh, because we know that it's such an area that we need to uh, 
focus on and that and having that brand and having that identity and having those strands of activity was a massive unlock for us and created a a great deal of traction and support for the uh, the work that we were doing that's great thanks for sharing that sounds fantastic obviously it's it's really useful for employers to learn from these real and practical examples and you clearly have done quite a few initiatives in your time so out of the ones that you've done kind of in the past, which ones do you feel that had the most impact? And perhaps maybe you can also share the ones that didn't work so well? I think because Healthy Minds Matter, our mental health program has had an enormous impact and was really, really came into its own during COVID when we knew that, you know, we continued to work as as frontline key workers. We continued to work all the way through and we saw an increase in home shopping, an increase in uh, postal and, uh, and parcel traffic. So we were finding that we'd got you know, we were we were having to really respond to a changing customer requirement as well as dealing with all the changes to can health and the health and safety aspects. So our program really, really came into its own then. I think probably one of the areas that I think hasn't gone as well as I think it could have and is an area that I want us to work on is around the lifestyle piece and around uh, choices of healthy food, for example, in our canteens and increasing people's exercise and reducing or stopping smoking. Because I think there's still a bit of misconception that because our postal workers walk such a long way during their their day-to-day delivery that they then don't need to exercise and we know that it's different there's different sorts of exercise there are you know weight-bearing exercises there's flexibility as well as the uh, as well as the kind of cardio aspects so a more rounded approach to physical health i think is something that uh, i would like us to look at and something that that perhaps we haven't landed as well as as we as we could have done brilliant thanks for sharing your experience with that Sean, thinking again about the diversity of your workforce, do you maybe have any suggestions for how employers can tailor their initiatives to cater for diversity within men uh, population? Again, I think that's a, a brilliant, brilliant question because one of my kind of real areas of focus at the minute is this idea of intersectionality which I know we talk about quite a lot but um, I'm a bit I'm a bit worried that that men's mental health is becoming a little bit too niche and we just think about it exclusively about gender and mental health and I think you need to think about the gender but then also the the bigger person and the wider person by that I mean you know are they in the broader context of other factors for example uh, their ethnicity their orientation because I know from personal experience I'm in a a civil partnership and uh, I've been in that for for 10 years but when I was kind of accepting when I was younger that I was that I was gay and that I'd got that to kind of deal with that as a mental health dimension to it and it wasn't really thought about then. It, you know, pe- you know, everybody's got their own kind of coming out story and experience, if you like. But you need to think about how that might play into mental health as well, as well as other issues that you might be dealing with. You know, for example, um, mental ill health or bereavement. But then also your met your own mental resilience and um, your mental strength. I think another area that I'm really keen on promoting is 
uh, positive mental health. And that's 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 why the books are called my books, Positive Male Mind and Positive Mental Health. And the reason why I wanted those in the title and titled them as that was because I was identifying that when you talked about physical health, you talked about people who could swim faster or lift more weights or play better rugby or football or you know be more flexible in in yoga and pilates and all those things are important i'm a big i'm a big fan of the gym myself but then when you talked about mental health you you seem to automatically go to depression anxiety and and ill health and, and mental ill health conditions and it was really stark to me that physical health people jump straight to the positive aspects and the mental health people jump straight to the negative aspects and i i want to to promote uh, and, and encourage people to think about physical and mental health on the spectrum, and, and it's a scale, and also think about how you can work up and down that depending on what else is going on in your life, but then also that intersectionality piece. So thinking about, as I've said, ethnicity, orientation, disability, uh, social background, other demographics that might play into that. So, so we're not just being binary about mental health, yes or no, male or female. Absolutely. That's so insightful. And I really never really thought of it like that. So thank you. Well, look, this conversation has been extremely insightful, but I do have one more question for you, um, if that's okay. Could you maybe share your thoughts on what you think is next for men's health? How can employers innovate to make a real difference in people's lives? I think that um, we need to do more around I think we need to do, in the innovation space, I think we need to do more around the whole person. And by that, I mean physical health and mental health, as we've just talked about. But I also think there's some emerging areas, financial health, which we've seen, again, come into really sharp focus during the uh, the pandemic. But I think there's another um, dimension here, and that is spiritual or emotional health and i'm not talking about conventional religion or church but that might that might be that for some people but i just think emotional and spiritual health is another area and you'll have seen this real push particularly around mental health campaigns this year about getting back to nature and i think that that aspect is really important and when i did my doctorate I came up with this model and it's really easy. And if, and if anybody out there listening has got a, a pen and a piece of paper, what you do is you draw a, draw a triangle and then draw a circle around that triangle. So on one dimension of the triangle is uh, physical health. On another um, dimension of the triangle is mental health. And on the final one is financial health. And then the circle that that's in is the context, be that you at work, you at home, you in the context of a pandemic, et cetera, et cetera. I've moved my thinking on now in terms of the model. So if I was doing my doctorate again, it would be a square in a circle and it would have physical health, mental health, financial health. And then on the fourth dimension, it would be um, spiritual slash emotional health. And that's the connectivity piece still within the circle of context. But look, just look how people have been affected by the pandemic and isolation and having to stay at home. And uh, I've really felt really, really felt for those that have, you know, those first or second jobbers that are living in shared houses or people that are living in uh, a kind of a shared flat or a bedsit. When we were in 
in deepest, darkest lockdown, that lack of connectivity and that lack of social interaction you know, would have been really difficult for a lot of people. And I think it's really reinforced to people the importance of getting out and about, connecting with nature, being part of a community, having relationships with people, be that, you know, work relationships and personal relationships to to kind of balance you as a, a kind of a whole person so that's a very long way of me a long way around of me saying that I think organizations need to think about individuals as individuals so employees and individuals intersectionality and then the four dimensions of physical mental financial and emotional slash spiritual health brilliant thank you Sean for sharing that I, I love that model thank you so much for your time today My pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's great uh, to share a little bit about what we've done and thank you very much. I really appreciate that. If you enjoyed today's conversation, look out for more HR Talks episodes from Aon. If you have any questions or would like to find out more, please email us at letstalkbenefits at aon.co.uk or head to our website aon.co.uk forward slash employee benefits.